stepping back for a moment from the current passion that is uh, consuming the world. Uh, the current one isn't coronavirus, actually. That's already passed. Well, maybe temporarily, but we're on to Black Lives Matter now. Uh, or back to Black Lives Matter. We've been there before. Uh, but stepping back from whatever the current wave of passion is, uh, I, you know, I, I sense a pattern... And the pattern uh, goes like this. Well, you've already guessed what I'm about to say, I'm sure. Uh, what have been the waves of passion over the last few years? Not so many. Uh, there, was te- there was terrorism. Uh, and that was all-consuming. You know, if it were a wave at the ocean and you were trying to surf it or body surf it... Uh, you know, you'd be tumbled over. You know, you'd be... Have you ever been in one of those waves that really dumps you? <laughs> you feel like you're never coming back up again. Uh, yeah, and sometimes you can just dive right through it. Yeah, or, or get beyond it and look back at it. Or just sit on the sand. Uh, but there was terrorism. And then there was, um, that was September 11 and all that sort of thing. Uh, and that was all-consuming. There were ones before that, of course. Uh, then there was... I won't get these in the right order. Uh, but these uh, waves of passion are getting more and more all-consuming, it seems to me. Uh, and that's going to be the theme of this episode. And I think that's to do with social media. And the internet in general, uh, the speed with which information um, and passion can um, consume the entire planet. But then pass. You think it can't pass whilst you're in the middle of a wave. You think you're down there forever. You think it'll never pass. Uh, Some people get dumped by waves and don't come up again. They're the ones that die. You know, whether that be you know, people in the World Trade Center when uh, terrorism um, knocked those things over, you know, or whether you are an Iraqi, for example, or an Afghanistani, uh, during those invasions, that was the next wave of passion. Um, the wars against terror... Um, there was a Black Lives Matter one back then too, Rodney King. That was all-consuming. But this, you know, those moments were before social media was big, I think. You know, I lose track of uh, which of these waves of passion and causes uh, come first. Uh, look, I think I know that one. That was um, early 90s. Rodney King, so that would make September 11, um, which is 2001, a bit after that. All right, it's in that order. Uh, but they're waves nonetheless, I think. And then Iraq, you know, 2003. Look, there was a desert storm before that. Um, now, what came after that? 
the refugees. Now, by that, by the time that one came along, Syrian refugees and so on. By the time that one came along, we really, you know, social media had taken off, and um, internet-based media and all that sort of thing. So that one, you know, a kid died. Um, a kid that was the same age as my son. His name was Aylan. And um, his image shot around the world in no time. And the world was consumed, completely consumed. Um, And uh, floods of tears. Like a tsunami all around the world. Um, And people were in the city square of pretty much every city in the world, including here in Melbourne. And... uh, People are drowning in the Mediterranean right now, but I don't see anyone making any commentary about that now. You know, so that's the old thing, isn't it? Um, you know, a wave passes. You think it's going to go forever. Uh, yeah, look, there's still people, of course, that are still concerned about drownings in the Mediterranean, but most people uh, haven't given it a second thought since. You know, but at the time... They couldn't stop crying. Um, okay. Uh, when, were, when were those Paris terror, terrorist attacks and so on, you know? Uh, Charlie Hebdo. Uh, that's where I got the name Charlie Threadbow, which is, the, you know, the alias that I'm using for this podcast. Um, yeah, well, I just came up with that name while the bullets were flying around in the offices of Charlie Hebdo. Uh, I make aliases for all sorts of different situations, not for negative or evil reasons, you know, but I I think through these aliases. Okay. Uh, Now, that's interesting. I was actually listening to people dying on the spot. So social media had very... Well, I wasn't on social media or was I I was at that point in time haven't used social media for a number of years now perhaps three and a half or so on uh but there was a moment there where I was using social media for the purpose that I'm using this podcast now but you know I've dumped social media quite a long time ago in favor of nothing for a long time and now yeah I'm onto podcasts which are a very very different um experience as compared to social media. I never did social media for social media purposes. It was just to um, explore via aliases and so on. Nothing to do with fake names. Aliases are a very different kettle of fish. Um, To fake names, uh, you know, you don't accuse David Bowie of using a fake name because um, he was upfront about it. You knew what he was doing there. You know, it was for artistic purposes or whatever. In his case, and for 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 my you know for me, it's for exploration and comedy purposes and so on. Right? You know, yeah. People didn't say, ah, you know, David Bowie, you're using a fake name called Ziggy Stardust, you know, so that you can obscure your evil plans. You know, for making you know for getting your opinion all about the place. And he said, no, I was only trying to do rock and roll. <laughs> Right. Um, so there was that. Now, I'll miss a couple of waves. There's been other causes. 
And um, whilst you're in them, you think you're never going to come up from them. They feel all-consuming. The planet gets entirely consumed by these waves of passion. Now, terrorism. Yep. Um, There was a Black Lives Matter back then, um, a long time ago. Rodney King, and there's been a few since too. Uh, But the Rodney King one went nuts. LA riots. Um, More recently, the environment. And that was an emergency and it pushed everything else away. Black Lives Matter, terrorism, everything. Uh, By this time, when the most recent um, alarm went up, about the environment, um, that wave of passion seemed very much all-consuming. Greta Thunberg and all that sort of stuff. It was massive and it felt, whilst you were riding that wave, or maybe, in your case, getting tumbled by it, there are people that dive right through the waves, there are people that sit on the sand. All right, I've got a metaphor, haven't I? Um, And there are people who ride the waves and there are people that tumble and tumble and get dumped by the waves and, you know, are inside the wave. Have you ever seen that? The bubbles, the turning, the churning, you know, um, getting slammed against the bottom of the, you know, the ocean floor and all that sort of stuff, you know. It's, and, and people, each time a wave comes along, there are people that are in the thick of it um, getting overwhelmed, because that's what happens when you're in a wave, and getting overwhelmed and getting frustrated most of the time and arguing like crazy on social media, they are full of passion and, and it's almost like they, um, and yet the passion is gone, you know, in, in their hearts and in their passions and in their minds with respect to the last thing that they were getting passionate about. It's like that's, that other thing isn't frustrating them at all. You know, right now there are people feeling very overwhelmed by Black Lives Matter. That's the current wave. Um, but they're not overwhelmed, they're not feeling overwhelmed by refugees, you know, or terrorism, or, you know, our war on Iraq, you know, or the environment even. Look, there are always going to be exceptions to this sort of rule that I'm going to propose. There are people who are just absolutely passionate about the environment right through, and there are people who are absolutely passionate about terrorism and all the other stuff right the way through too. I'm not talking about those people. You know, this is not Facebook where you put up an example of someone who has maintained the rage about refugees all the way through and say, aha, Charlie, you got it wrong. There's no such thing as waves. Look at this person over here, passionate about terrorism right the way through. And I say, well, I'm not talking about that person. I'm just talking about... Um, the fact that there are major waves, even if there's one drop in the ocean um, that's, you know, maintaining a consistent sort of stance right the way through as the waves go through, you know. Um, So, uh, not too long ago, it was the environment. What was the trigger for that? Was it Greta Thunberg herself? You see, I'm starting to forget. You know, but it was all-consuming. Black lives didn't matter. 
at that point in time. You know, I didn't hear Greta Thunberg getting up in the UN. It seems like a distant memory all the t- already, but it wasn't that long ago. I didn't get her. I didn't hear her getting up and um, and um, and saying anything about Black Lives Matter or anything else, you know, or um, or uh, refugees or anything else or terrorism. You know, she was a, a, a one cause big voice and um and the whole world got consumed by only that thing for a long time yes of course there were some people quietly still concerned about um refugees drowning in the mediterranean i'm talking about most people in the world and most people in the world don't care about that right now they care about black lives matter and it's just dominant now here's the thing i think the ways are getting more and more all-consuming uh, but passing just as quickly anyway. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm finding interesting. And, you know, as I say, I think it's to do with social media and all that sort of stuff. This is Captain Obvious kinds of, uh, a Captain Obvious kind of um, episode. I make a lot of those, but I don't mind them. All right. Now, the next wave after, you know, you, you would think that nothing could push the environment off, you know, social media... Yeah, whilst you're in the middle of Greta Thunberg and all that, you would think nothing could push that off. The passion agenda, but then coronavirus came along and that was the next wave. Okay. And, and, And we're still in the middle of coronavirus, apparently, and I would have thought nothing could push that off, you know, our frontal lobes. Whilst it was still going, and it is still going, you know, an extra million people, an extra million cases every couple of weeks at an extra, whatever, 100,000 deaths every month. Yeah. It hasn't abated at all. You would think nothing could push that off, you know, out of our frontal lobes. And then along comes, along comes a cop um, uh, putting his knee on the neck of an African-American guy in America and um, asphyxiating him by the look of it. And suddenly that explodes and people start demonstrating in the streets in huge numbers. And you start to think to yourself, oh my goodness, Um, the wave that was our passion for, you know, what the hell are we going to do about this virus? That wave has passed. I would never have thought that was even possible we were in the middle of that wave. This, the waves are getting bigger and more all-consuming, but they're passing faster too. And I'm starting to think, now that I think about that, that every cause in the future might have five minutes of fame only. Um, what's his name? Who said that? You know who it was. You know, who, who, who was that? Um, did the Marilyn Monroe pictures? Oh, I can't believe I... And I mentioned David Bowie before, and it was his mate. Uh, I can't believe I can't remember his name, but you know who he is, who said that every every person in the world is going to have five minutes of fame in the future. Um, And that's it, and then it's going to pass straight away. I think a lot of kids, even, are getting that at the moment with TikTok, an app, you know, which gives a child five minutes of fame and then... That child is dumped five minutes later. Okay. 
I don't know what the psychological effects of that are on a child. Uh, um, okay, so this episode is nothing about that. Yeah. Somehow that may not, you know, something like something about the effect of that on people, you know, the effect of social media on people, maybe the next wave after the current one, which is Black Lives Matter. Uh, but here's the thing. Um, I think maybe it's true that in the future, every cause will have five minutes of fame because I think these waves are getting bigger but passing just as quickly. Whilst we're in them, you, it feels like real change is here. Um, to a certain extent, as I say that, I'm starting to think that this episode uh, m- might end up coming across as something like a pessimistic um, uh, reflection on causes, passions, such as, you know, the current one, Black Lives Matter, in that, you know, you can just about write it out. Um, uh, An episode previous to this one, I did an honest uh, episode on the idea of hope for the future... Black Lives Matter. And that was the title of the previous episode. Uh, but the way I'm talking in this episode, I'm starting to think that, um, you know, this episode might be um, uh, kind of a, um, you know, the next bloke standing up for the debate. After that bloke in the previous episode stood up and, you know, argued, um, hope for the future, Black Lives Matter. You know, this bloke standing up now, which is me as well, Charlie, it's not actually me, you know, but, you know, whoever is speaking this episode and whatever his values are, even I'm unsure of those, um, uh, yeah, he might be arguing here that um, there is no hope for the future uh, and black lives don't matter and in this he might even find a lot of, you know, for example, people of colour agreeing with him. You know, if I ran that argument in the public domain, which I'm not going to because I'm not on social media or anything like that, um, I might find people actually agreeing with me. You know, they might listen, you know, as as, um, compassionate and all that sort of stuff and understanding and everything as I tried to be in the previous episode um, in which I argued, you know, that, there is hope for the future and Black Lives Matter. You know, there might be some um, people of colour who might listen to that. Well, I wouldn't know because I don't invite anyone to listen to my podcast. But there might be someone who listens to that and says, oh, how dare he, you know, to, you know, how dare he um, try and insert Interrupted I was halfway through a sentence, but I know what I was saying before I was interrupted by an incoming phone call on the same device into which I speak this podcast. And I was saying there would be people, you know, were they to listen to my previous episode in which I was trying to insert you know, an air of optimism, you know, a little bit of hope that you know, maybe uh, things will get better for uh, you, (laughs) Um, the black people of the world, you know, because there is such a demographic and it's not me that's putting that about, you know, it's 
it's people of colour themselves. Um, yeah, and um, and they might object to me uh, daring to say, "Hey guys, you know, it might get better." Of course, I've got no um, right to say to you know to suggest such thing from my position of privilege. You know, it's a bit easy, isn't it? You know, um, you know, because I've got a good life. Uh, well, so far, actually. Um, we're a bit frightened, actually, in our family, uh, because uh, we have just found out that countless protesters are gathered today in Melbourne, tightly pressed together, um, and uh, you know we are a high-risk family when it comes to virus, coronavirus. You know, they, you know, the protesters in the city today may well have knocked off some of my family members i'll report back to you on that in a couple of weeks um now me more sympathy for the protesters i couldn't have um but you know ask me in a couple of weeks and i'll see if i still have that um i know some of the people who do have very serious underlying health issues in my family are struggling you know try as they might and as much as they want to um, they are struggling um, to work up uh, sympathy uh, for, you know, and caring for uh, the protesters specifically um, when they can't detect much caring in reverse <laughs> in as much as just yesterday we achieved zero new cases. In, in Victoria for the first time since the coronavirus was declared a pandemic. We just got there. And um, now we've got football-sized crowds uh, marching in Melbourne for Black Lives Matter. This has got nothing to do with the issue of Black Lives Matter. That remains a serious issue. Whether or not I disagree with the protesters uh, marching today, you know, one doesn't offset the other. They're both serious matters. You know, the virus is a serious matter. We've got two waves at once, churning, churning. Um, and one wave is saying that it's more important than the other. And, you know, my wave, the, 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 you know, the wave that is saying, please, social distancing, you know, don't kill us, you know, um, is sort of trying to put that one forward as more important. It becomes, you know, a, a question of, you know, um, who's at the most risk. Well, you know, I'd sort of say um, people with underlying health issues are more at risk of being killed just at the moment than even Indigenous people in custody. Um, yeah, as an urgent sort of um, risk, you know, right now. Coronavirus can knock you off. You know, look, we could get another. Do you know there was a church in South Korea that um, started a cluster that knocked off heaps of people? And, and, you know, it took a massive effort by South Korea to, to quell that cluster. And the people that gathered for that church service that caused that cluster were nowhere near the number of people who gathered today for a protest on Black Lives Matter. Uh, I could go on and on about that. Um, yeah, uh, how would I 
Uh, look, you know, I wanted uh, the people to be able to protest, but I also wanted them to not um, start the virus up again. Um, all I can say is the two ends of this um, you know, and now are probably are going to find it hard to love each other. People with underlying health issues are, are really, you know, you know, most of them weren't going to care about Black Lives Matter anyway. But if there were any people with underlying health issues who were sympathetic to the protesters' cause, um, they, might, they may be finding it hard to maintain that. Yeah. And in reverse, the Black Lives Matter people... You know, they may have the attitude, well, you know, all right, so we, you know, by protesting today, we may knock a few of you off. Welcome to our world, you know, die, you know. You know, at least you're having an immersive experience of what Black Lives Matter means. Um, So, die, you know. Gasp your last breath, get a knee on your neck. Catch coronavirus, you bastards. You know, there might be... You know, that would be in the heads of a lot of people in the protest protest marches today. Look, arguably, that was the argument in the minds of all protesters at the protests today, given that anyone going to those protests knew that it was going to be a mass gathering. You know, a football-sized crowd, an MCG-sized crowd, when we've been trying to get gatherings to less than two people or five people, or more recently, you know, we've started to lift the restrictions, but still, you know, people haven't been able to go to their grandparents' funerals, you know, for, you know, out of respect for trying to prevent further deaths due to viruses and yet these people you know look let's say I had a grandparent who died yes last week I would not have been able to go to his uh, funeral quite possible quite possibly um uh, you know maybe black lives matter more than that you know such that um 20 or 30 or 40,000 people can gather you know we've got competing um waves happening here at the same time. Look, um, that's an obvious point. Um, I guess all in all, though, uh, the protesters didn't win any friends amongst uh, people with underlying health issues today. Now, I grant that, you know, They didn't have any friends amongst those people, to the tune of 90% of those people at least, but, you know, the remaining 10% that, you know, might have been sympathetic to their cause, I I doubt that many of those people um, can possibly uh, be, um, be feel, it's tit for tat. They can't possibly be feeling much care for the lives of uh, people in Black Lives Matter protests, you know, whether they die in police custody or in any other way, even with a knee to the neck, when the protesters themselves, and, you know, this would be an argument. Look, I'm sure there's a counter-argument. 
uh, I might struggle to make it because it, it seems a no-brainer to me. And yet I must be wrong because tens and tens and tens of thousands of people gathered today in Melbourne and same in Sydney and same in every city in the world, practically. So I must be wrong. I must be wrong. I'm thinking about that. There must be a very strong argument the other way that it's worth the risk. You know, protesters um, going to these protests during a lock, you know, not a lockdown, but a social distancing sort of phase of this virus, uh, they must have made a risk assessment in their heads. They really must have. And they must have thought, you know what? It's worth the risk of me catching COVID-19 for me to go to this protest today because, you know, people die this other way as well. Yeah? Due to racism. So it's worth the risk of catching COVID-19 and causing death in order to, you know, perhaps prevent a different type of death. It's worth risking coronavirus death to protest right now, even though uh, you know, I've been thinking about this. When's the last time the police did anything bad in Victoria? Victoria police seem to have been really doing quite a uh, um, an understated and reasonable job for the last 10 years, 20. I, I don't, when was the last time? Um, look, there's probably examples, but... Um, Police brutality, I'm see, I am seeing evidence of that in America. No problem about that. I just haven't seen much of it in Australia lately. Um, so where's the urgency in having to protest today and knock off a few people with underlying health issues? Where's the urgency to protest today? Couldn't it have waited a month? or even a year, you know, because the urgency was there in America, even though even if I was an American, I wouldn't have liked protesters marching over there. I think they're going to get a huge spike over there. A lot of those protesters in America for Black Lives Matter, uh, I'm pretty sure, killed their own grandparents in the act of marching for Black Lives Matter. I don't know, you know, whether that's dumb or noble, <laughs> uh, I lean towards dumb. But, you know, that's not, that's, the risk assessment is, uh, you know, that's their business. But I, I think a lot of people did a risk assessment today when they went into the protests today. Look, look maybe some people just didn't think at all. But, you know, the, 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 the more intelligent of the protesters, they would have made a risk assessment, I suppose, and said, listen, we, we know we're not allowed to go to the football, but we'll go and join a football-sized crowd anyway, because we think that the, you know, the risk of causing death, you know, catching coronavirus, spreading it, and all that sort of stuff, we think the risk of causing death by coronavirus is worth, um, you know, lowering the risk of causing death by racism, you know. So we've got two competing, you know, death scenarios here and we think it's worth the risk. We'll risk death on one level for, you know, by minimising death on another level, something like that. But all I'm saying is um, 
people with underlying health issues, for, for example, uh, you know, I'm thinking of three and now I'm thinking of six people in my family. So three people in my very, you know, inner circle family, close family for, you know, immediate type family. And uh, I'm thinking of three people on, at the cousin level. Um, all right, so we've got six people there um, who would say, hey, when you made that risk assessment, there, there, you know, could you have given us a call? Could you have given us a call just to get, you know, because you weren't risking your own life, you were risking our life. You know, but uh, perhaps if that protester had have called any of the people I'm talking about, who you know, would have preferred them to not march, um, you know, they might have started chanting over the phone, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Now you're getting a taste of what we've been living these past 250 years since colonialism, you know, um, enjoy the knee to your neck, yeah? Because, uh, you know, they must have that attitude because they're risking, they are putting a knee to the neck of people with health issues, underlying health issues, and the elderly and all that sort of stuff, including their own grandparents, which surprises me. You know? Um, the urgency, well... We're not a logical species, you know, because theoretically the urgency wasn't there for Black Lives Matter right at the moment. You know, I think I heard there were two black deaths in custody um, last year. Um, you know, look, I think they're getting that many people dying at the hands of police brutality and all that sort of stuff in America every hour. <laughs> yeah, it's not very, oh, what can I say? Anyway, um, so where was I? Um, I think I'd finished. Um, oh yeah, this, um, this, uh, yes, people could absolutely criticize me for even making these episodes, for example, and having a say. Well, the funny thing is I'm not having a say, really. You know, I'm giving, you know, I'm saying what I think, but I'm not saying it to anyone and I'm not, I'm not trying to change your mind, whoever you are. You think what you want, you know? Kill my whole family. I honestly don't care. I really don't. For the purposes of this episode, go ahead. You know, kill them all. You know, protesters, thanks, you know? Yeah, we'll be right, you know? Well, there'll be few of us, but you know, there'll be fewer of us, you know? But the rest of us will kick along, but thanks anyway, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, but pardon me if I don't care if you die either. <laughs> we humans. Look, I can imagine people saying, listen, you know, this guy shouldn't be having a say on Black Lives Matter at all, you know. And in the last 10 minutes, I've been having a say only on coronavirus, actually, as it turns out. In fact, I don't think I am having an opinion on Black Lives Matter. And if I am, refer to the previous episode in which I was very sympathetic to the whole idea. Um, but um, people might say, in, you know, in response to that previous episode, uh, the one mistake you made there, Charlie, was um, expressing some hope that it's going to get better in the future. You know, getting, getting back on track now on this episode. The one mistake you made there, that's not your call to make, to, you know, express optimism and put a corny song on at the end of the episode where that song is called Hope for the Future. You know, that was corny. Um, to, so, you know, as something of a penance, as something of a penance, you know, because I will agree with whoever might have said that, 
uh, I will um, say, all right, well, alternatively, um, a song like the one coming up now is more appropriate. And, um, and I honestly think it might be. And in any case, um, did I ask you to listen to me anyway? I, in fact, in the previous episode, I actually um, implored any would-be listeners, hopefully I've got none, um, to stop listening to me and go and listen to someone who really does know about Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, preferably someone with black skin, you know, or dark, you know, or coloured skin, or deemed coloured skin, whatever you want to call it. Um, but look, you know, to kind of, um, you know, as a kind of Hail Mary uh, for the previous episode, penance, um, here comes, you know, the alternative possibility that black lives don't matter and there is no hope for the future. Post office clerks put up signs saying position closed And secretaries turn off typewriters and put on their coats Janitors padlock the gates For security guards to patrol And bachelors phone up their friends for a drink While the married ones turn on a chat show And they'll all be lonely tonight And lonely tomorrow Gentlemen, time please You know we can't serve anymore Change to stop when there's nothing to go And by five o'clock everything's dead And every third car is a cab And ignorant people sleep in their beds Like the dope white mice in the college lab And nothing ever happens Nothing happens at all
the values of copper and tin While American businessmen snap up Van Goghs For the price of a hospital win take this opportunity now that I have made a pessimistic episode on the subject of Black Lives Matter and coronavirus for that matter at the same time uh, to reflect on the possibility that people really don't care much about each other in the main um, I have no experience of uh, being in a black community, you know, in that whole racist sort of community. But I do have experience on, in, in, in other areas, for example, in disability and how much care, people care about that, not much. Um, and now, also, uh, you know, in health. Uh, you know, look, I happen to work for hospitals and all that sort of stuff, but not that. Um, I happen to be in a community in which people have um, uh, some very serious health issues. And, you know, that's, by the by, a lot of people, nearly every family's got someone. Uh, so that's no big deal. But what I'm getting at um, is uh, not many people do care. People don't really care, you know. And, and, and this might be... Um, Oh, look, you know, um, and, and the same goes for Black Lives Matter. We might as well have a pessimistic episode. People are marching in the streets for justice and all that sort of stuff. Um, my experience of how much people care in other walks of life um, kind of suggests to me that... Um, if black lives are going to matter, we are going to have to bung the caring on. Because I don't think people do uh, care. You know, I think people don't care much. You know, like if you've got a very, very serious illness, whoever you are listening to this, do people care, really? You know, maybe three. You know, did, did half your friend, did some of your best, when you got that serious illness, did um, most of your best friends drop off? You know, because it was too much for them to cope with? You know, there's a lot to deal with, you know. Did they drop off? You know, are you elderly, you know, in a nursing home somewhere and has everyone stopped visiting you? Were you popular once? around town when you weren't a bother and and are you now in a nursing home uh maybe even 
chance you're a person who has family, but quite like you know, quite just as likely you're a person who has no family. When was the last time you were visited by someone who wanted to see you? Either way, you know, is it your sense of your fellow man that people do actually care? You know, this is a pessimistic episode all of a sudden. Uh, Look, I needed a pessimistic one because, you know, to balance off my optimistic one, which was the previous one in which I uh, imagined hope for the future on the question of Black Lives Matter. But um, if nobody cares, if you're disabled, for example, and if nobody cares... Um, that you've got a very severe underlying health issue, you know, such that they would, for example, protest in their tens of thousands with coronavirus still active. Um, you know, if nobody... You know, how many people do care? Not many, I suggest. Um, I've, I've, you know, anecdotally, I've got some stats that would suggest very few, you know, maybe one person in the whole world, maybe two, really cares about you. Um, If you never get a a serious health condition, for example, or a disability or anything like that, if you never get old and incapacitated in a nursing home and all that sort of stuff, you know, you might die with 10 friends who are very close to you. And you might die happy in the knowledge that you had 10 friends who were tight all your life. And you die, you might die um, thinking, hmm, at my funeral, there are going to be 10 people crying properly for me. You know, but that might be because you you never got to be a bother. You know, if you had got to be a bother, you know, if you had have got cancer, for example, or, um, you know, something elderly that made you a bother to go and visit, you know, all the way, you know, nursing homes are so depressing, aren't they? When was the last time you were visited, old person? You might get a visit next week by, by a virus, you know, after these protests today that we had in Melbourne, you know, during a social distancing period, you know, for Black Lives Matter. You know, um, yeah, but striking a pessimistic tone because there's a call for that. There's a call for that after having done an optimistic episode on Black Lives Matter, you know, hoping that it might get better, which is what I was actually doing. I didn't intend to do a pessimistic episode straight after that. Um, well, you know, my, you know, I think there's an argument to be had, you know, to be countered, to be sure, countered, you know, in another episode, there is an argument to be had that people don't actually care. You know, you, that person dying right now with 10 people gutted, you know, for you. Um, but you've died, you know, of natural causes or whatever. Um, and you, you know, you never had an underlying health issue. Um, you know, you might, you, you, had you got something bad 10 years ago before you died, 
and then died, um, you might have found that seven of those ten tight friends might not have stuck around. Now, to that, you might say, oh, no, these ten people, am I, you know, I've known them from school. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, get onto a forum of people who've had a very serious illness, you know, like a social media forum, of people who've had a, a very serious uh, illness, and pretty much all of them just express amazement that the minute they got their illness, and I'm not talking about anyone specific, um, this is person after person after person lining up, and even oncologists and everything, and everyone warning newbies, you know, who have just got cancer, for example, or anything else, warning people, listen, this is what's going to happen. You think you've got 10 friends? You know, within one month, you'll have three friends, and quite possibly one, if you're lucky. You know, and I say, oh, come on. My, you know, people who love me care about me. And they'll say, listen to what we're saying. Strap yourself in. Brace yourself. It's coming around. You're going to lose seven of your closest friends, even if you've known them since primary school. You know? Um, so that's that. You know, which would suggest that people don't actually care. They, they care only if you're not being a bother. Now, Black Lives Matter is pretty much saying to uh, the rest of the community, we want you to care about us too. Uh, now, my, my feeling is that if, 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 um, if people can't even rely on their best friends, why should, you know, if they, if they can't rely on their best friends to care about them, oh, look, the rest of the community's not caring. I don't think people care about each other all that much. I really don't. I really don't. I don't think, you know, put, if they're put to, if they're not, you know, <laughs> if they're getting something out of it, um, then maybe they'll care. But the, you know, like we had the bushfires, um, where Australia, the Aussie community spirit came together. You know, but hard on the heels of that. And people were looking after each other. It was amazing. This is the true blue spirit, you know. But then uh, straight after that, we had coronavirus and suddenly people weren't looking. You know, the Aussie spirit disappeared. I think our spirit for each other um, uh, is evident only when it's not putting us out too much. So we're happy with Black Lives Matter. The idea of that, as long as they're not putting it out, as long as it's not putting us out too much, yeah. Um, but if if it should put us out too much, I don't think we're really that interested in it. I don't know what people going for Black Lives Matter are looking for. If they're looking for people to genuinely care, I say forget it. If they're looking to force people to care, well, give it a crack. You know, by all means. But, you know, I don't think people really care much. Even the protesters who went to the rallies today in Melbourne against medical advice in, in the middle of a coronavirus um, pandemic, even those people don't care. Now, we know they don't care, you know, uh, in general, you know. We know they don't care, you know. Um, 
because, sure, they went down there to express caring for black lives, but at the same time, in doing so, they expressed uh, the idea that they don't give a shit about people with underlying health issues, you know, so they're, they're not caring people all the way down. So if, they, if they're ready to dump on people with cancer and elderliness and all that sort of stuff, if they're prepared to kill those people, you know, you can't call them caring people. You know, these people are saying black lives matter and they're expressing caring for those people. Um, but watch out, you know, people with black skin, because those same protesters, if they're put to the test and you become a bit bothersome to them personally, they might jump off your case and, uh, and care about someone other than you at your expense because uh, we know that all the protesters today at the rallies for Black Lives Matter were willing to kill... I'm, I'm not trying to, um, you know, be dramatic here, but it, 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 is a very, it is a fact that worldwide plenty of people will be killed as a result of Black Lives Matter protests in the middle of a pandemic. Right, especially in America, you know. Um, lots of protesters over there are killing their own grandparents by going to the protests, but they think it's worth the risk. Those protesters, you know, it's worth the risk of catching COVID-19, going home, giving it to your parents, who then go to the nursing home, visit their parents and kill them. You know, it's worth the risk. Um, so, uh, now, do people care? Uh, about Black Lives Matter, well, you're either caring or not, you know? And um, I think people are, you know, there's a limit to it all. There's a limit. Um, they're very nice people. Look, they could jump off the Black Lives Matter bandwagon in a minute, those people, you know, because if you can kill one person to save this person, then you can do it in reverse, can't you? You know, so, and people, you know, uh, people, you know, marching today to save black lives were killing others and, you know, and people who didn't, who, you know, people with cancer who didn't march today weren't willing to stand up and kill themselves for the cause of ending racism. And those people are pigs too.